Hi, this is Ben Bova. I've written a lot of science fiction, and I think that I've devoted my life to trying to understand the opportunities and the dangers of the future. And if you listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night, you'll begin to understand a lot of that, too. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. <clears throat> oh. Sorry, I was opening up a bottle of uh, water. Let's call it water. Uh, from a very dark corner of sub-level 18 and deep in Area 51, hello and welcome to TalkCast 336, this week's edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tonight, with what doctors are calling smelter's headache, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, some of the rest of the gang of five, in the Acton TARDIS reseeding company, our technical anarchist, Button-pushing, keyboard-clacking, sonic screwdrivering, girl genius, more fun than a box of Japanese Malamars. It's Kriana. And Hunter Z, Captain. R. Oh, God. I don't know which is worse, but I'll put up what's going on. From the stack of her personal space in the dank dungeon's long drive to nowhere, befriending robots, inviting aliens to lunch, and knitting with chupacabras in Starbucks, and she doesn't even really like coffee, Welcome, Zombrarian. The flashing not. light means it's muted. <laughs> <laughs> we just had this discussion. <laughs> no, okay, so now I have two mute buttons. <laughs> and I have to hit them both. No, this you don't. You don't have to One hit them or both. The other. You don't have to hit them both. Oh, good. If you hit the button, it makes a little flashing light flash. You're muted. Not a problem. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. The more you know. <laughs> so a guy walks into a comic shop and says, Hey, do you have Jughead number 16? At that point, you realize it's either L. Ron Howard or a very own futurist and gamer returning from a weekend of never-to-be-remembered events, our Midwestern correspondent, the guy who likes really shiny stuff, and evidently still in a board we meeting. It's Awake by Java. And he will join us whenever he's on He might on be board. at a ward meeting. Who knows? Who knows? I was looking, looking at it. It said board meeting. I, I, or he's bored in a meeting. I'm not sure which. In any case, he will, he will join us whenever he is able because that's what he promised me he was going to do. And he's a man of his word, I suppose. Whatever that at word may be. At least a word. A word. We're not saying... His word, we're not saying Which what that word, word is. What What is right. the word? I don't know, but it's yep. a word we for don't sure. Care. It's a word. Yep. So, Kriana, you don't remember GraniteCon because you were not at GraniteCon. Nope. And I was. And, I missed and, out. Yeah, you did. Actually, On all the was, fun. More fun than humans should be allowed more to have. More fun than barrels of monkeys. Or monkeys in separate barrels. You're never sure which anymore. Um, I think uh, multiple monkeys for barrel is more fun. It can make be. that quality quality assessment. It, it absolutely can be. Um, while we were there, the booking monkey walked through the main hall while I, I think, may have fallen asleep from exhaustion at the table. No, I'm sorry. I was at one of the food trucks getting an American burger. I'm hungry. <laughs> and, and he came back and he said, I found these really cool authors that you need to talk to. And we know that sometimes Booking Monkey can get a little carried away. And in this case, he was absolutely right. As, as both of these women authors uh, have written some tremendous books and we're just now, because of some scheduling conflictions, 
getting to the first one. I'd like to introduce conflictions, yes. It's, it's conflicted issues, whatever. Uh, I'd like to introduce uh, the first author from Amphibian Press, V.S. Holmes. V.S., welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me tonight. So is it V.S., is it V., is it Ms. You Holmes? Call, <laughs> you can Would call you? me V. I'll answer to V. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's appropriately when, when mysterious we... and yet short, but memorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when we sat and talked on, on the floor at uh, Granite Con, you were there smiling, talking about your books, and, and I'm thinking to myself, this is uh, a fairly prolific local writer. Uh, you graduated from Keene State College in New Hampshire. Yep. yep. And you got your degree in as a, an archaeologist? Well, I, I got my degree in, in biology. Um, Keene State didn't offer an archaeology degree. Um, I sort of stumbled on archaeology somewhat literally. Um, but it's definitely become become my passion for sure how did you stumble into uh cultural resource management and archaeology um well well for for archaeology um itself that that came first i um i met this gentleman on a ferry ride um to block island and he was reading a paper i i saw the article on the cover which uh, i thought was really fascinating it was on um a homo erectus site in crete um, in Greece, and Homo erectus is, is a species of, of human a little bit before us. And um, I asked if I could borrow the paper after he was through with it to, to read that article. And um, he said that that was actually a site that he was running and they needed volunteers. Um, so I ended up joining up with, with him and, and some other um, art historians and, and archaeologists. And the next summer, I ended up in Greece on my first dig. Um, I didn't oh, really now, how cool was that? <laughs> it, was, it was pretty awesome. Um, but, <laughs> but I did want to make sure that, that it was actually archaeology that I liked and not just being in Greece because, hello, it's Greece. Um, so uh, I, I did a field school in, in New Hampshire, um, which was not, not quite as exciting as, as Greece, but um, still Can't pretty interesting. Think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, New England's fun, but, but yeah, it's not, it's not Greece. Um, and uh, from there, I, I sort of made some, some connections and found out that um, cultural resource management, CRM, um, was something that I could do to really apply archaeology and also but biology to some extent. Um, you yeah, know, if, a, if you work with bones and stuff. So. What does CRM mean? Um, C CRM is, is cultural resource management and it's, it's basically you're protecting the, the cultural resources of an area. So Native American history, um, historical um, houses, whatnot. And, um, you know, when, when big projects go through, like malls or roads or, or power lines, um, we have to go through to make sure that they're not going to disturb anything that's culturally significant. Um, so it's really the, the front lines of, of protecting those, those resources. So. so you've got your degree, you're working in cultural resource management, and you have figured out that you have a passion for archaeology. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you have this second passion for science fiction. Yes. <laughs> Where did that come from? Um, I I grew up. Um, I was an only child. I didn't I didn't have any siblings, and my dad is just in love with science and science fiction. Um, the only TV I was allowed to watch as a child was Cosmos and the Nature Channel, um, and and those sorts of shows. And at a very young age, he. He exposed me to, to just astrology and, and science and science fiction. He had a six-inch telescope that he would use on our balcony. Um, so I got to see the moon, the, the northern lights, um, the rings around Saturn at like seven years old. And that, um, that wonder, that, that childlike wonder really stayed with me um, as, as I grew up. So that's, that's how that started. <laughs> so what were, your, what were your favorite authors as you were getting uh, 
inundated by science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I um I actually I started more with with the science, and then um, as I got older, I I started to read like Alistair Reynolds, um, Arthur C. Clarke, um, Asimov to some extent, and um, I really what spoke to me the most was the possibility of it all and the fact that it might one day not be fiction it might just be be science and that's that's really what drew me to it that that search that the fact that humans have always been explorers and the idea that that would still carry on as as we moved into the future so authors that really um drove home that that idea um the hope of it not so much the the scary like oh god we're all gonna blow ourselves up aspect <laughs> the war of the worlds aspect didn't really quite appeal to you no no i mean good good writing but you know not not what i was really looking for so, so at one point your two passions came together because you also like to write and you said, why not take these two passions and mold them together into the Nell Bentley series of books that you're writing now? Where did, where did, um, all right, Nell Bentley has been described as the lesbian Laura Croft. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where did Nell Bentley come from? Um, a, a fair amount of her personality, um, I think, is definitely overlapping with my own. Um, the the first scene of the series that I that I ever wrote um, before it was even a book, before it was even really a fleshed out idea, was um, when she comes on to the site, the, the first scene in the book, and she sees that it's been vandalized, and her heart is just broken, and she's so angry. Um, I've been on on sites that have been vandalized, and just this idea of like, what are you people doing? Come on, like we're we're trying to. We're trying to learn here. We're trying to protect this resource, you know, whatever it happens to be, whether it's academic archaeology, which is what happens in, in the Nell Bentley books, or if it's, you know, CRM, more applied archaeology. Just that emotion, that rage of, um, of vandalism. And so I, I just happened to write the scene with this character, and then I started asking questions like, who is she? Where did she come from? Why is she studying these people? What does she end up finding? Um, as I answered those questions, the um, the series became more fleshed out, and suddenly it wasn't just a book, it was a six-book series, and it sort of got away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've kind of answered the question, you know, how much how much of Nell Bentley is you? You're, you're kind of deeply entwined with each other. Yes, um, I... I would like to think I have a little bit more control over my anger, perhaps, than she does. Well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but definitely a lot of the things she's passionate about, um, you know, are, are things I'm passionate about. And um, she struggles with a lack of patience, which is something that I definitely know I, I struggle with, too. Um, and the the constant drive, the constant curiosity, the the wonder and frustration at the same time at humanity is is something that we definitely both share. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to put that down because um, I feel like those are things um, specifically anger that um, a lot of people look down on, but can also be channeled into you know creating things into into making change too. And um, you know, ar archaeology is definitely something that can be very political. So, you know, making change and protecting resources and protecting people um, is is something that's very dear to me as it is to her. So. And at the same time that, that you're beginning to get your writing career off the ground, uh, you begin to put something together to disseminate it. And that becomes Amphibian Press. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Um, well, I actually, I, I was very adverse to the idea of independently publishing for many years. Um, I, my, my Why mom, is that? Well, uh, my mom's in publishing. Um, she, she worked for uh, Yankee Magazine, uh, the New England Regional Magazine, right. um, for 25 years as senior managing editor. And... Um, being around writers and publishers was something that that was very familiar to me. Um, 
but I had this idea that the, the gatekeepers of publishing were there for a reason, and, and if you weren't good enough to get through those gates, then you weren't good enough to, to publish. Um, and as I've gotten older and realized that those gatekeepers also serve um, to hold back marginalized voices, um, whether purposefully or not, um, I it's clear decided, that that's what they do, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, I, I realized that that was something that I, I wanted to overcome. And um, Cameron J. Quinn, who will be on your, your show later, um, she was always a proponent of the, the indie author, and she thought it was awesome, and it was, you know, she was so passionate about it. And I sort of patted her on the head and said, uh-huh, and didn't listen so well. <laughs> um, but thank goodness. Until one day. <laughs> yes. Thank, thank goodness she's far more patient than I am and and put up with, uh, with my naysaying. And eventually... Um, I, I came around to the idea, actually, at my first GraniteCon, um, I spoke to two independent authors there, and it sort of sparked the idea, and um, I messaged her in the middle of the night uh, a few years ago and said, hey, how would you feel about being my marketer, and we can maybe do this this independent press thing. Um, she's much much more of a people person um, on the surface than, than I am. Um, uh, we're both introverts, but I think she she's much better at being an extrovert when she has to be. You didn't come off that way at Granite Con. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm very good at putting on my my author extrovert pants. Nicely um, done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was it was something that she was definitely the driving force behind, um, and still still is to a, to a large degree. Um, you know, I I do a lot of the the paperwork and the editing and um, and whatnot, and and she does the the hard part, which is the putting it out there. <laughs> so it can be very difficult for, for an independent. Publisher. Very, very difficult. Um, and, and you have to deal with the stigma, which is unfortunately there pretty rightly, um, you know, quality control. Um, a lot of independent authors don't have the financial means or the um, interest in, you know, finding good editors, finding good cover designers, finding good marketers. Good and Lord, yes, you're absolutely right with that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty hard battle. Um, and but I mean, it's 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 there, and um, it's just one of those things that you have to overcome as an as an independent author. So as you're writing, you're you're actually writing two or three different series all at the same time. Yes. So you've you've got the Reforged series, mm -hmm. uh, which is four books in right now. Um, the third book will come out at the beginning of next year. Um, so close. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> scarily close. Um, and that's it. It will be a four book series, um, and there are two other quartets that take place within that same universe um, that I have outlined, and and some of them are written um, at least partially. Um, it's a much slower going series because the books are longer. Uh, there's a little bit more world building involved. So, yeah, but, that's that's a whole different world building. You don't yes. really have a basis to start with. You start with right. We're starting over. And <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I mean, as as much as there's definitely research that goes into the Nell Bentley books about you know science and other planets and and whatnot, um, it's it's still a little bit. It's it, it's already built for me to some extent. I can just you know take over. I can I can take the building blocks that are already there. Whereas well, yeah, e epic fantasy, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> epic fantasy is its own little life, absolutely. And the second book in the series, in the Nell Bentley series, uh, is coming out this week. Yes, yes, um, November fifteenth. So. November 15th, which is the date that we're actually recording this. Mm -hmm. But so when uh, when you s listen to it for the first time and wonder why V is actually recording from a truck stop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a truck stop. It's a hotel. <laughs> well, I've got I've got to say from 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 our auditory standpoint, it might as well be. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it, it sounds like it. I have my. Um, Semi inebriated coworkers in the background and Perfect. some good traffic. So, <laughs> so talk about the series now. The second book in the Nell Bentley series is called Drifters. Mm -hmm. 
And that takes off almost immediately from where the first book ended. Yes, there's um, maybe a, a two-week gap um, between the, the events of Travelers and the events of, of Drifters when, when it picks up. And now you, you, you've set some really interesting building blocks in place in the first one. The Peruvian uh, excavation, uh, the group of people that's trying to get rid of you, and I can't for the life of me remember. Los Pobleros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the founders. There it yep. is. Pobladores. <laughs> which, which I actually had to look up because I wanted to make sure you meant what that actually means. Yes, I did. Uh, and you did. Very well done. <laughs> my, my Spanish isn't great, but I, I know a little bit, so... <laughs> And, and the somehow appearance of an alien spacecraft. <laughs> and from that point, we move on to uh, continuing the story with... Well, it, it starts out with, with Nell getting um, some fairly bad news. Um, and the events that, that took place in, in Chile on the site are sort of coming back to, to haunt her um, in ways that she didn't expect, ways that she thought um, the allies that she had made um, that summer would sort of take care of. Um, and it's the, the tone of the book is definitely a little bit, um, a little bit darker, a little bit, um, I guess, more, more bleak in some places. Um, and it actually, it takes place in New England. Um, and uh, if, if people have, have seen some of the, the teasers that I've been putting out um, or, or read the little the little teaser that I put in the back of, of Travelers, um, she spends a fair amount of the book as a fugitive from the law. Um, and that was something that sort of was sparked uh, by, by my work on Powerline Corridors, which a lot of CRM does take place. Um, on, on these power line corridors that, you know, like crisscross the, the wilderness. And I've always had this thought of like, oh, well, if I ever had to run from the law, this would be a, a great place to do that. And um, so when I was planning out um, what, what would happen in the second book, it was, I sort of seized on, on that idea, that, that inspiration. So. Can we talk about uh, one of the things that... Uh, because of the uh, the indigenous group in Chile, uh, you bring up uh, more than once the uh, local vandalization of mm -hmm. archaeological digs. Is is this really a, a huge issue, and why does it occur? Um, not from um, from native peoples we work very closely with a lot of tribes and a lot of a lot of native peoples native groups um, so, as much as we can be on the same side we are um, because we are helping to protect their resources um, a lot of the vandalism that we see at least in in CRM um, comes from landowners um, you know if, if people are upset about a road or a pipeline or a power line um, coming through their land in, in their backyard, for instance, um, they'll do terrible things, um, some, some pretty bad threats as well to, um, to the site and also to, to the diggers um, to try and get us off the land, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Um, usually just causes a lot of uh, slowdown and, and paperwork for everyone involved. Um, but it's it's definitely something that we we face for sure. Um, we've had people put plastic dinosaurs in in open units um, to try and get us <laughs> off, um, which is funny because we're not paleontologists. Um, I know I have several coworkers who have been held at gunpoint until the cops could come. Um, you know, nothing nothing too too severe, at least in this area. Um, but it definitely happens. It's definitely something that we have to be aware of, um, because it is. It is this this idea of well, yes, you own this land, but it wasn't yours always, and um, just sort of balancing on that very very narrow tightrope. I find it interesting uh, at, at any number of levels 
when someone, um, especially an author, can take two or three of their passions and combine them into an artistic outpouring of some kind. And you've certainly done it here. Uh, the, the, the entire series, the, the Nell Bentley series, uh, is uh, refreshing. I think that's the best way I can put it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I worked hard on it. <laughs> well, yeah, and it is very clear that you did, and it, it's clear that the dedication that not only you bring to your stories, but to what Amphibian Press brings out is something that you find very important to maintain a high quality of, and you've done it. This is a very cool book that I've really enjoyed reading. I definitely... Um archaeology and, and anthropology and writing for me are not nearly as um, separate as they might seem um, at, at their base they're all about uh, the human experience they're about finding somebody's story whether it's someone who lives 10,000 years ago or someone who lived 100 years ago or yourself or this made up character um, who's helping you find parts of yourself and will hopefully help others find parts of themselves and, and identify with parts of themselves that they might not have known. Um, the, the tagline from, from the Nell Bentley series, um, you know, where, where we're going and where we come from, um, where, where those two things collide. And it's again, definitely a, a, a motto that I, you know, I, I think sort of touches on that. And you throw in a UFO. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Just because you can, and the next thing you know, you're looking up at the stars and going, where are we going as well? Mm -hmm. So it's a nice melange uh, of uh, past, present, and futurism all at the same time. It's, it's a really cool collective. Uh, nice done. Thank you. So aside from a new book coming out this week, mm -hmm. what else is going on? Um, well, uh Politically speaking, our uh, our company and a lot of my coworkers have been fairly rocked by the um, the events of this last week. Yeah, well, um, who hasn't? Yeah, right. Um, as far as as protecting uh, native resources goes, we're not really sure um, how our jobs are going to hold up um, with our next president um, and and his policies. So we're we're sort of in this this limbo state. Uh, so that's that's been going on. We're also, uh, you know, we're we're nearing the end of our, our dig season. We can't dig once the ground is frozen, at least not not easily. And uh, so we're looking at a slowdown. The the weather has been getting quite kind of dreary. Um, a lot of us have have winter jobs uh, that we take up. So that's that's sort of where we're at right, right now. Um, I, I spend most of the winter writing uh, to make up for, for the very busy digging season in the summer. Uh, that way, during the summer months, I can work mostly on, on editing and revising uh, as opposed to, to drafting. So this, this winter looks busy for me as far as, as, far as writing the next, uh, the next Nell Bentley book and some other projects that I've been working on. It was a pleasure to meet you at GraniteCon, and it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was our pleasure. Um, <laughs> and as things move forward, both with Amphibian Press and with you, please let us know what's going on so that uh, we can talk about that. Oh, definitely. I'll, I'll keep you in the loop. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hey, Kriana. Yes. <clears throat> Is it time for the news? Hey, Java, how you doing, buddy? Ah. Uh, oh, that good. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm right there with you on this one. Man, um, oh, man, what a week. Oh, yeah. What no a week. Let me tell you what. Something happened that I missed, maybe? I don't know. Oh, well, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to speak of. Nothing much at all. Uh, uh, we, we, might, we might be in a Black Mirror episode. <laughs> you know, it's funny, 
what I thought of that. I thought of anyway, that anyway. first episode of, of uh, season one, and then anyway, moving forward. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's exactly. We, we can, can we talk can... about a lot of stuff. You playing uh, a new game this week? Or are you still? Uh... Uh, oh shoot! Actually, you just reminded me. I'm supposed to go into this uh, in Belathar's general goods and sell off all my goods so I can buy a house in Skyrim <laughs> because I'm pretending like it's five years ago and I'm happy. If everybody needs to just pretend it was five years ago, we'll be just fine. Gotcha. Just live in, just go into whatever you use to escape from reality for a while. Oh, well, for me, that's alcohol, but yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I have been for the last six months. Where have you guys been? Uh, (laughs) I'm I'm playing Skyrim, and it's great. It's great. Um, I never played it, actually. I have never played Skyrim. It's a good game. The last Great game. Uh, Elder Scrolls game I played was, like, I really played was Morrowind. It's a good game, too. Um, I played Oblivion for about two seconds before I got bored. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I think, I think it just didn't, it didn't catch me like Morrowind did. And, uh, but Skyrim's pretty good. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, especially because it's feeding. I've got a Scandinavian, like, Viking obsession right now. I don't know what it is. I, <laughs> You know, I'm watching the Vikings television show. Oh, really? It's awful when it comes to, like, historical accuracy. But it's fine because I know, as a a student of English history, linguistics, and and the, you know, the the way that... And also just just a a very uh, proud, uh, you know person of scandinavian descent i i i just eat that stuff up so you know when they start talking about all these people i'm like hey i know that guy i know what he's talking about. now it's 200 years off and these people could have never met but whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah because that's fine because right. vikings vikings okay you know i'm, I'm, playing, I'm watching vikings i'm playing skyrim uh, you know, there's this great RPG that just got funded for an English translation on Kickstarter called True Devang Chronicles. It is all Viking stuff, so that's awesome. Uh, oh, do you know what book I stumbled through because somebody emailed it to me? Remember about a year and a half ago we had uh, this wonderful woman from Spain whose name eludes me at the moment? Yeah. And she was kickstarting Spanish Women of Wonder? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, their second edition just came out. And, and oh my god, it, it's amazing. I mean, it's not that I should be surprised because the first volume was amazing. But this one takes it to another level. And, you know, everything that they said about these silent voices that she was bringing forward uh, in this series of books was absolutely true. It, I mean, guys, uh, grab it on, 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 I think it's, I'm sure it's on Amazon now, but oh my God, it was just wonderful. I read the entire book in, in one sitting. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, you know, I started reading uh, the Hugh Howey series Sand just because I've read Wool. How did you like, are you... Did it engage you at all? I really liked Wool a lot, and Shift was okay as well, um, just because it gave that background. But um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still not enamored of Sand yet. We'll see. We'll see. I had problems in the beginning with Wool, just getting feeling accessible to it for. It was time. it was kind of a slow burn, but you know the the it was worth it. The payoff was worth it. It was a really great series. You, you know, I mean, <sighs> where wh- right now my life is so full of other like actual adult type stuff, like s- stuff that I can't avoid. You know, all the responsibilities and things that I've committed to. Oh, I'm really this. having a hard time. I haven't watched any Flash. I haven't watched any. Um, Gotham. 
I, I'm really behind on the shows that I like. The only show that I am making time for is Westworld. It, Westworld is just amazing. It's just fantastic. Every episode, I am just blown away. It is great. So, I don't know what to I don't know what to say about but about media currently, especially television. Oh my god! Did you? I saw some. I saw something. I sure did. Episode. I saw the amazing. last episode. Yeah, the last episode. Trump. Yeah, uh, I've kind of given up episodic television to figure out who it over the summer. Yeah, I the the last episode of Westworld was fantastic. Um, big reveal. Big reveal. Called it. Just saying. You did call that about two weeks ago, as I yeah. recall. Yeah, well, I mean, and and the great thing about that is, even though it was, it I, I, I called it and I knew it was going to happen, the, it still throws everything that we've seen through that character's eyes into question, right? So, I oh. don't know. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about. No, no. Uh, I think we're back. All right. Uh, the the intertubes were getting uh, filled up with presidential elect or president elect tweets. So president elect bullshit in any case. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because I, I saw an article that said. Young Justice returns for third season. And, yeah. and I said to myself, well, what the fuck is this? I'd never heard of Young Justice. So I've been ripping through season one and two of it. It's damn good. It's the Young Justice League. And it's what DC does best, which is, you know, animated 30-minute shows. And it's really well, kind of cool. I, it was canceled, right? Right. Like season two, after season two, it got canceled. And now they're bringing By it WB. back for season three, right? Okay. Uh, is it was it WB or who was I, one it, of them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that's one of the things that DC does some really great stuff with their with their IP. It's just so niche and it's so like it's not. It doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Uh, Young Justice has, has gotten a lot, got a lot of traction um, when it got canceled, but it, it's nice that it's nice that they responded by bringing it back. I mean, Marvel just announced their Inhumans television show. They did know? indeed, and they and did. That's going to be interesting. No, there was no like, there was no like, uh, you know, Comic Con announcement or anything. <laughs> It was just like, hey, by the way, <laughs> we're doing this uh, series next. Yeah, it, I think that they're. I think that they've just kind of said uh, this stuff is going to market itself. So why do we have to put a lot of effort into it? Uh, and the Inhumans is a fantastic and, and, comic series. It's really, really good. It's, a great it's been comic series. Yeah, it's been it's been handled by some some really great writers and artists. So it, it'll be interesting to see what what we get from it. Um. Who knows? There, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. Green Hornet is supposedly co is is going to get remade. Thank God, because the last time they did it, it was horrible. Oh uh, yeah, of course it was. Like the, it wasn't that long ago that they did it, right? It's a couple years like back. A few I think. years ago. Yeah. The the and Green it, Hornet it was, was weird. I always thought it was weird. It was one of those like. It always felt like a like a knockoff superhero to me. 
Well, he doesn't really have any superpowers. And the best thing that he's got, he's, he's like a, a thinking man's Batman in some respects, except that instead of having Robin, he's got Cato, which was played by Bruce Lee in the TV series. Right. Which I thought was, if you, if you can ever see those originals, they are freaking amazing. Um, and it was uh, Bruce Lee at his finest. But, yeah, I would like to see somebody, you know, not take <clears throat> a really good comic franchise and turn it into a joke just because it's quick laughs. Right. Yeah. We also know that quick laughs make money. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Money makes the world go round. It does indeed. It does indeed. Our buddy Nathan Fillion is back uh, in the news because he spends his time doing really good stuff. Um, Nathan Fillion is on creation stands right now with his uh, Take Your Pick campaign. Buy one of three t-shirts and 100% of Nathan's profits would go to the Zimmer Children's Museum. Yes. And and I love the fact that this is what he wants to do. These are the things that makes me respect him more every single day. Because for every TV show that he does, for every movie that he does, for everything that he does in the consumer market, he does something like this where he says, my celebrity can be used as a positive uh, expression. And he does so repeatedly over and over again. It's just amazing. Yep. He's a good Did guy. I my ass. <laughs> oh. Grianna, you there? She may or may not be. She might be staring at her Death Star Christmas tree topper, which my wife said hell no to. Oh, come on. Where is your wife's sense of joy? (laughs) Tis the season. Look, look. tree toppers, man. Tree toppers are the bane of my existence. (laughs) I have been looking for years for a decent tree topper. And Target has failed me every single year. Here's my thing, though. Treetoppers should be something that brings joy and happiness, not something that blows up your whole planet. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could get joy and happiness from that, but only if you embrace the dark side. Clearly Darth Vader did, yes. (laughs) You know, and we will actually put up a link so you can buy the officially licensed Star Wars Death Star tree topper from what company would be doing this? Come on, guys. It's oh, Think it's got to be Think Geek because they do all of that <laughs> stuff. I still have you know what the, You know what, though? Here's, here's the problem as far as I see it. <clears throat> it lights up and it's blue or red. Correct. Right. Whoa, 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 what? No. Star That's Wars. That's not the color of a Death Star. Also, well, is it, it should the be completed gray. Death Star or Death Star Part 2? Oh, it's definitely it like the first two. Yeah. That's boring. Yeah. It's a little bit... It's a little bit lame. But, you know. And yet, it's cool, and I want one. I've got it on my Amazon wish list right now. <laughs> I'm sure your wife will absolutely say yes. Oh, absolutely. She she loves this kind of stuff. Everybody she, knows that. She likes bringing us joy. Mm, doesn't she, though? And, and Era and any other kind of dishwashing liquid as well. Because she is the kindest... And the best, and wants us all to have the merriest of Christmases, 
she will have no objection to a Death Star tree topper. I'm helping you out here, Dome. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that as well. Hey, Kriana. Kriana. We could talk about we could talk about a lot of things. You know, because there's still things to talk about. Stuff. You got we some got stuff? stuff. I mean, we could talk about Ghost in the Shell. And why is everybody white in Ghost in the Shell? Uh, like you would want them to be ethnically correct. Is that your issue? Japanese, maybe? I don't know. What? I don't know. Why would you think that would be correct? Okay, can I tell you, though? I didn't realize it was this big, drawn-out controversy. I just, you know, happened to watch the trailer and thought, why is everybody white? And then I learned about the controversy afterward. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I, I fed right into a bucket of worms that I did not know existed, but I agree with wholeheartedly. Yeah. It's not like there aren't any good Japanese actresses. Are there? Are there really good ones? Yeah, I guess there are. <clears throat> so we want to put Ghost in the Shell. Why is everybody white? I'll type that right in. Zombrarian thought piece. <laughs> Why is everyone in this movie white? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. The end. Okay, that's officially a talking point then. <laughs> we could talk about Doctor Strange. Okay. Have you seen it yet? No. Neither have I. And I feel like this one really didn't get any. I know it did somewhere, but I'm like, I feel like this one didn't get the same kind of buzz that, like, Civil War or even Ant-Man. Ant-Man I was seeing commercials for, but this one I was like, oh, Doctor Strange came out today? Cool. Well, I didn't know when that. you get less promotion than Ant-Man, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, I think they thought that Benedict Cumberbatch was going to carry the whole thing. And I mean, it's been taking good wise. But there's been so little promotion, it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, but I am right. Like, I just, I'm not just oblivious. Like, no, you're, you're kind of right. I didn't with realize it. it was coming, and then it was here, and I was like, oh, it's here. Cool. Now it's gone. Is it gone? I don't believe it's in the theaters anymore, but I could be wrong. I, it's got to still be in theaters. I think it only came out last week. Oh, okay. I mean, or I'd love to go see before. it. Uh, I mean, the one thing that they're saying is this is one of the movies that truly deserves to be seen in 3D. And I'll be the judge of that. I I won't because 3D makes me, makes me all motion sick. Sorry, well, I had right. to go for a minute. I'm feeding Rory. <gasps> Hello, Rorsha. Okay. We we learned we inadvertently what? Well We learned we inadvertently named the um the two geckos after what's it called? Watchmen. Yeah. Watchmen. We didn't realize there was also an Osmandius in Watchmen. Yes, yeah. there is. Actually we named them after a psychological test and an Egyptian king. Percy Bishelli Sonnet, but <laughs> apparently, apparently They're the the characters in, in Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. We can't escape it. It's just coincidental because well, they were both characters. We didn't know. Hmm. They're very cute geckos. Neither one of them has a blue penis. Nope. Oh. Thank God. Rory likes to maim her crickets before she eats them. She likes to like one leg at a time kind of deal. <laughs> so she's a sadistic gecko. 
Yeah. Uh, she, she's like a 10-year-old who you really worry about who's gotten his hands on a daddy long legs. There's the one leg. There it goes. Baby girl, you gotta get better aim. Better aim. Malcolm is also on the back of my chair. Yeah, what? Hmm? Hmm. Who's on the show next week? There's someone on the show next week? I don't know. I'm asking you. There's a show? We're doing a show right now and not just talking about our pets? Aw, did Malcolm is watching the ugly kitten eat. Um, let's see. Well, there's nothing on the calendar, so... So we don't know who's on the show next week. Next week, a giant black hole swallows us all! Again! (laughs) And Thanksgiving! Coming up soon, at a table near you. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Northeast Comic Con, booksandbooze.com and comicarthouse.com Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from many of your favorite artists. And if you have a free moment, take a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. Our intro music production was provided by RobWatts. Find out more of his creations at RobWattsOnline.com All one world, two periods. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Check out their groups on lawrencemademecry.com. All one word. I want to thank our guest tonight, B.S. Holmes, for sharing a unique series of books with us. It just been a really, really, really fun Many thanks to the gang, the Acting Action Time Park, the Sweetheart of the Sun, Donna, Thank you, ladies, and pets. It's like cricket getting up in here, and Malcolm's watching. You should come see Zombray, and it's cute. Back from the shadows, which means six more weeks of con season, and evidently a boring meeting. Thanks, Java. He's gone already. Flash button is mute, yeah. Mm-hmm. Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Oh, I know.